welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Hi, everyone. My name is George Thompson. I'm an associate in Littler's DC office, and this is my colleague, Dipti Orakande, in our Littler Miami office. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to speak with you about some of the common pitfalls and considerations when filing an H-1B visa. As you're likely aware, H-1B cap season has ended, and many employees have been selected in the H-1B lottery and approved for H-1B visa status. So now is the perfect time to make sure you understand all of the requirements that come along with sponsoring and maintaining an employee in H-1B status. Exactly. While certain other employment-authorized visa statuses have a large amount of flexibility and fairly low obligations on the part of the employer, H-1B status is much different. So both employer and employee want to be especially careful that all the rules are being followed to prevent any serious consequences. Okay, George, so let's jump right in. Let's say I have an employee that was selected in the H-1B lottery and we just got their H-1B petition approved. What do we do now? A great first question. Well, assuming the employee is already in the United States in another status, such as F-1 student status, they will automatically switch to H-1B status on October 1st. Until then, they will remain in whatever current status they are on. Of course, if they aren't in any status in the United States and they reside abroad, then they will likely need to apply for an H-1B visa and enter the U.S. using their H-1B visa on or just before October 1st. On that note, Deepti, let me ask you a follow-up question. Let's say I'm an employer and I have an employee that is currently working for me on a student visa pursuant to OPT or STEM OPT. When can they start working for me in H-1B status? If an employee was selected in the H-1B lottery and their H-1B petition was approved, the H-1B visa won't take effect until October 1st, 2023, as you mentioned earlier. An important factor to keep in mind is whether the H-1B petition was filed as a change of status petition or for consular notification. If the petition was filed for a change of status, the employee's status would automatically convert from F-1 to H-1B on October 1st, 2023. If the petition was filed for consular notification, the candidate will remain on F-1 status for as long as they are eligible, apply for an H-1B visa stamp, and return to the U.S. with the H-1B visa stamp and their H-1B approval notice. Okay, follow-up question. Can my employee keep working if their OPT or STEM OPT expires before October 1st, 2023? Great question. This is a very common question we receive, and the answer is that it depends. We recommend you reach out to your immigration attorney to verify the employee's I-20 and EAD to confirm how long they are work authorized, whether they're eligible to take advantage of CapGap to extend their work authorization through September 30th. That's a great tip. CapGap can be complicated, so it is critical you seek advice from an immigration attorney to confirm if it applies to your employee. Okay, now let's talk about things to consider post-approval when your employee starts to work on their H-1B visa. For example, Let's say you have an employee in H-1B visa status. Is there anything else the employer and employee need to be aware of regarding changes to the offered role? What happens if an H-1B employee's salary changes? Or what happens if you want to promote them? Or even if you want to move them to a different work site? These are very common questions. And the answer is if at any point there is a change to an employee's H-1B position, they should reach out to their immigration counsel prior to any such change to determine if an H-1B amendment needs to be filed with U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Let's be clear, an H-1B petition is approved based on the filing made to the Department of Labor and USCIS and is specific to the details contained in that filing. That includes the job duties, the job location, job salary, and the employing entity. 
if any material change is made to an H-1B worker's employment, it could be deemed a violation of their status if an amendment is not made prior to such change. That especially means changes in salary, especially any reduction, which could result in wage and hour lawsuits from the employee or the Department of Labor. That's great advice, George. Given the uptake in remote work, what about work from home? What if your employee just worked from home for one day only? Is that still a violation? Oddly enough, yes, it can be. If you anticipate your employee will be working from home, even for a day, then you should list that address on the original H-1B petition filing. If you decide later to have that employee work from home, even for one day, without filing an amendment or previously listing it on the application, that could be considered a violation. That said, it may be permissible for a short period of time due to what's called the H-1B short-term placement rule. Can you tell me more about the short-term placement rule? Sure thing. Under the rules, if an employer does not already have an LCA on file for this new geographic area of employment your employee will or has already started to work in, and the H-1B worker at this type of employment does not exceed 30 workdays, and that could be either consecutive workdays or non-consecutive workdays in a one-year period, then such a placement would be allowed without violating any H-1B regulations. Now, that placement can be extended for another 30 workdays, but no more than 60 workdays in a one-year period where the employer is able to show that the H-1B worker maintains ties to their originally listed primary worksite. That means that you're able to show that they have a dedicated worksite at their primary worksite, the employee's abode is located near that worksite, where the worker spends a substantial amount of time at that permanent worksite. It's great to hear that there's some flexibility, but let's say I didn't file an amendment and made a change to an H-1B worker's employment because I wasn't aware that an amendment needed to be made. What can I do now? This is not an uncommon scenario I have been presented with from employers. And the answer is that depending on how serious of a change you've made, you've likely violated a worker's H-1B status. At that point, you really need to contact an immigration attorney who can best advise on your specific situation and best mitigate any damage that has occurred due to this unauthorized change. It should be noted, as an employer, you definitely do not want to be seen as being unable to understand the rules and restrictions imposed on H-1B workers as you could end up deemed as a willful violator by the Department of Labor. If that happens, it will impose additional burdens on an employer seeking to hire H-1B workers, and the government will apply extra scrutiny to all H-1B petitions by such an employer for at least five years from their finding as a willful violator. So again, pay attention to what was filed on behalf of your H-1B worker and continue to work with your immigration attorney to make sure you are in compliance. Speaking of compliance, it's important to ensure your employee also complies with H-1B visa requirements when traveling internationally, or they may end up stuck outside of the U.S. and unable to return. That's a great point, Deepti. So I have clients reach out to me all the time about travel. Now, let's say I have an employee that needs to travel abroad for work or for personal reasons. Are there any special requirements for international travel? If your employee needs to travel internationally, they will need to have a valid unexpired passport, a valid unexpired H-1B approval notice, and a valid unexpired H-1B visa stamp. If this is the first time the employee is traveling abroad after obtaining their H-1B status, they will need to apply for an H-1B visa stamp at the U.S. consulate or embassy abroad before they can return to the U.S. To apply for a visa stamp, the employee will need to complete a DS-160 application and schedule an appointment online with the consulate. Most first-time applicants will need to attend a consular interview before an H-1B visa stamp is issued in their passport. 
We generally recommend that employees carry a copy of the H-1B petition that was filed with USCIS, the original H-1B approval notice, and a copy of their three most recent pay stubs or a recently issued employment verification letter. Okay, but what happens if someone decides to travel before they enter H-1B status on October 1st? Is that okay? They would still need a visa in order to be able to re-enter the United States. Thus, if an employee is still maintaining their F-1 visa, they may be able to travel and return on their F-1. We again recommend you seek advice from an immigration attorney to ensure the employee has the proper documentation to travel prior to their departure. In general, their departure should not cause an issue with their pending or approved H-1B cap petition. Assuming their petition is approved, they would still automatically switch to H-1B status so long as they are inside the United States prior to October 1st and if the petition was filed as a change of status. If they stay outside of the United States beyond October 1st, then they will need to apply for an H-1B visa as previously discussed. That's a lot of great information there, Deep T. So let's now switch a little bit and talk more about the job market. As employers are probably aware, there are a lot of fluctuations in today's economy that impact workforce retention. Right. Given the ongoing changes to the job market, what if we want to hire a candidate that's already in H-1B status? Can they immediately start working for our company? Not exactly. Not immediately. A new petition needs to be filed by the new employing entity before they can switch employers. Thanks to what is now known as the H-1B job portability, however, the employer and prospective employee does not need to wait for the H-1B transfer filing to actually be approved. They can switch employers simply upon the filing of the transfer petition with USCIS, assuming they are still maintaining their H-1B status with their current employer. But what happens if an individual was just selected in the lottery and wants to switch employers from their H-1B cap-approved employer before October 1st? Is that allowed? This is a tricky situation that should be discussed individually with an immigration attorney. The conservative answer is that an individual that was approved for H-1B status under the cap lottery must at least begin working for the registered H-1B cap employer before switching to another employer, even if that means working for one day with that registered employer. However, there is an argument to be made that this is not necessary that such an individual has already been counted against the H-1B cap lottery. In either case, however, a new petition needs to be filed by this new employer in order to change the individual's prior H-1B approval to this new employer. Speaking of those fluctuations in the job market, we often get asked about an employer's responsibility when considering layoffs that involve non-immigrants. Yeah, so can you tell me more about what to consider if my company undergoes a layoff and we have to let go of an employee we sponsored for an H-1B visa? What obligations do we have as the employer? If your company lays off an individual on an H-1B visa, as the employer, you're legally obligated to conduct a bona fide termination of the H-1B worker. What does that mean exactly? Under the H-1B rules, a bona fide termination must meet certain criteria in order for an employer's wage obligation under the labor condition application to cease. First, the employer must expressly terminate the employment relationship with the H-1B worker. Second, the employer must notify USCIS of the termination so the agency can revoke its prior approval of the employer's H-1B petition. Third, the employer must provide the H-1B worker with an offer for payment of reasonable cost of return transportation to their home country if the employee is terminated prior to the expiration of their H-1B petition. Reasonable costs of return transportation typically include the cost of an economy class ticket to the employee's last foreign address and does not include the transportation cost for any of the employee's family members. 
It is important to note that if the employee voluntarily terminates their employment, then the employer is not obligated to offer return transportation, but they must still notify USCIS of their last date of employment, request withdrawal of the H-1B petition. Yeah, it's never a great feeling to have to lay off a worker. So what does a layoff mean for the individual H-1B employee? Great question. If the employee's H-1B status was valid when they lost their job, they are entitled to a grace period of up to 60 days or until the expiration of their I-94, whichever is shorter. An H-1B non-immigrant may use this time to gather their belongings and depart the U.S., change to another non-immigrant status, or find another job and file an H-1B change of employer petition. It's important to keep in mind, though, that an H-1B non-immigrant is not considered to be out of status or accruing unlawful presence during this time. That's great information to know, Deepthin, and at least we know that the individual H-1B worker has some flexibility at the end of their H-1B status. So as you can see, the H-1B visa process can be quite complicated, and this is just a general overview of the H-1B rules and regulations to keep in mind. Since there are many nuances in filing an H-1B visa petition and maintaining H-1B compliance, we recommend you seek assistance of an immigration attorney to ensure you're remaining in compliance with all regulations and requirements. Remember, it never hurts to ask a question if you are ever in doubt if your company is maintaining H-1B compliance. Please feel free to reach out to Littler for any of your company's immigration needs. And thanks for listening in. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.